Good day to everybody and welcome to Miami's Cop Talk, a new show talking about law enforcement and the community of public safety. We want to give you an insider's view into the life and the training and what police work is in South Florida. You know, this is a team effort. My name is Robert Asensio. I'm a retired police captain, also a former state legislator. I'm here with my co-host, Raul Correa. I'll let him introduce himself in a minute. But today we want to deal with crisis intervention and the training that officers receive. We have a special guest today. Her name is Hopsi Kaba. A little more about her because I can never do her justice. What do you say, Raul? Yeah, it's uh, actually, I'm looking forward to uh, today's show. I mean, today's International Women's Day, and we have an uh, amazing woman that's going to come on the show and uh, speak to us. So uh, looking forward to it. Definitely a dynamic woman, a person who I've known for many years, a person who was instrumental, probably one of the best trainings that I've ever gone to, CIT training, critical incident um, teams, right? And, and, and it gave me a perspective of what a person who is with mental, dealing with mental health, um, how to deal with them, better deal with them on the street. I believe Hopsy, if I'm not mistaken, has trained over 15,000 people since she's been doing this program. There are over 7,000 officers in Miami-Dade County who have already gone through the course. But without further ado, let's give you a little insight, a preview of what Hopsy is all about and what she brings to the table. Tommy, our producer, can you run the tape, please, for our audience to see? CIT is first and foremost officer safety. So what do you think emotions can do to you when you're out there on the street talking to someone? It can get you hurt. It's really no fault of law enforcement that they didn't have the tools or resources or the knowledge to divert to treatment. Someone's loitering and they're not responding to the officer's directions. You are non-compliant, you are uncooperative, and I'm arresting you. You know, you know let's, let's go, go buddy. buddy. You're, You're going, going to jail. jail. Can I have a volunteer come up? Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Will you join me in singing the national anthem? We're right here. No, no, please, please take a step back. Take a step back. Okay, what made you take a step back? Well, what CIT teaches the officer is to see more than just, you know, the, the obvious, obvious potential, potential crime. crime. If, if I, I just asked ask you to take a step, step back, back, it did, did not compromise your, your officer safety, and you were able to just take a step back. Exactly. You're going to escalate Beautiful. Thank The first day I was here, I learned more in those eight hours than I did in nine years with the high control. Not taking anything away from the control. The control was great. Us as law enforcement officers were made to wear so many hats, and now in today's society, they also wanted to wear a white hat coat, you know, to try to diagnose with people. We can't do, we're not medical professionals, but here teaches a little bit more to recognize some of these things that people are going through. The whole purpose of CIT is let's decriminalize the mentally ill, let's properly assess, let's get the person to the right place and divert them to treatment when it's appropriate. Great. So now we're back on the air for you. It gives you a little idea of what Hopsy's about. Roll. 
why don't, why don't we say we bring her on and, and why don't we start out? Why don't you start it out by asking her some really key questions here? The W's. Uh, absolutely. I'm uh, Raul and I'm uh, looking forward to introducing Hopsi Kaba. I love that name. And uh, and we have a, a thing here. We we do three W's, the the who, the, the, the war story and the wonders. So we're going to start with the first W, which is who? Who are you, Hopsi? Where did you get that amazing name? And um, tell us a little bit about you and how did you get to where you're at today? Great. Thank you so much, Raul and Robert, for having me today. It's so great to be reunited after so many years. Uh, both of you are CIT uh, trained. And that's, by the way, it's crisis intervention team that training. Yes, a 40-hour training. But it's so much more, and I will get to that. But um so my background, I'm a marriage and family therapist, and I've been in the field for over 25 years. I had a great experience starting my career for the first 11 years where I worked at a psychosocial rehabilitation center. So every day, uh, five to six days a week uh, for 11 years, I spent my days with individuals living with schizophrenia, bipolar, major depression, day in, day out, on their good days and their bad days. That was one of two of my greatest uh, platforms to uh, help me uh, be where I am today. After 11 years of working directly in the field of mental health, I was offered the opportunity to uh, interview for a physician with the Criminal Mental Health Project of the 11th Judicial Circuit Court uh, with the wonderful and well-known Judge Steve Leifman, who is a pioneer yeah. and a visionary. Uh, I mean, everyone you know knows him. And so I really didn't even understand uh, the, 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 the concept and where we were going uh, with the Criminal Mental Health Project. And um, so really, you know, I'm going to tell you all about that and how it evolved into what it is today. After 20 years, I've been working with law enforcement for 17 years, going on 18 years. And I'll tell you, that is the second, uh, in no, in no order, uh, just amazing, inspiring, challenging, loving, uh, you know, just intimidating uh, platform of working with law enforcement. And I say intimidating because truly I had no idea, just like the average person in society. We, we live our lives, we celebrate, we go to school, we work, we do our thing. And we are so not aware that every minute Law enforcement has a watchful eye, is taking care of us, uh, keeping us safe in the community. I had no opinion of law enforcement. I was a good kid growing up. I never had any you know, encounters with the law. So I just lived my life um, pretty you know, ignorantly of, of all the emergency services that we have in Miami-Dade County and throughout the nation. Uh, and so, when I began to uh, work in this field and really working with law enforcement, I was a pioneer, mental health merging uh, with law enforcement. And I was you know, one of those pioneers uh, almost two decades ago to begin to bridge you know, the gap. And Can I'll I jump in here for a second, Hopsy? Because you just, I, I apologize, but you just said something that, that is really, really important to the audience and 
current topics that, that are really, really highly debated. Um, mental health, you just mentioned you were a pioneer in this arena. Are we talking about like, not just law enforcement as a whole, but bringing it closer to home, Miami-Dade County, right? So, so you bring, you help bring this training forward for cops to, to better deal with people who are going into, um, you know, crisis. crisis intervention. But, but can you tell us a little bit about like this, the stories that officers have shared as to why this program is not just pioneering, but it's so important and has been so, so defining for law enforcement in this county. Can, yes. you, can you go there, please? Yes. Thank you, Robert. And you know, you lived it, right? Uh, no one better to really uh, explain the transformation that occurs in understanding attitudes and beliefs. When you sit through, you know, a whole week of education where you are exposed to a whole other world and it works both ways. So, uh, you know, mental health, our broken fractured system fell on the shoulders of law enforcement. And so, you know, by default. And so, you know, society basically said, well, we can't handle it. So it's yours law enforcement, right? But as the years went by, we began to see concerns, right? And then began really, I mean, pointing fingers. You're not doing it right, right? You're not doing it right. Uh, and I think that is so just, you know, that's where I realized we need to educate society as well because we gave it to law enforcement by default, but we didn't, we did a disservice because we didn't apply, uh, uh, provide them with the tools and the education, the resources, the barriers, how to gap, how to gap those, um, you know, those, those barriers. And so when the officer comes to class, my first experience walking into a classroom of, you know, of 30 officers and they didn't know me, I didn't know them. And I thought I was just coming to teach them something and then go out and do it. Thank you for your service. Well, I had quite an awakening because it's really the officers that said to, a, to me, you want to learn about us? You want, you want to help us? Do you even know our needs? Can you share the stories of something that, that, that an officer's told you? Yes. How important or how defining, yes. how transformative yes. your training yes. has been in real yeah, life so, situations? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for example, we bring in people with lived experiences. Those are individuals with mental illness who have lived experiences in recovery and they tell their story. So, law enforcement you know, responds when there's crisis, when there's, you know, a, a potential threat. And so law enforcement isn't responding when people are doing well. So officers did not, had really never really seen and been exposed to recovery and people who do well. And it began to uh, really, you know, um, clarify and, and, you know, talk, you know, remove those myths and talk more about facts. And it began to humanize people with mental illnesses. And at the same time, it began to humanize the badge as they began to have these interactions. And so I would have officers, I had one officer, you know, at the end of the week, he gave me, he was very kind, very wonderful officer from Coral Gables and said to me, uh, he gave me a card and he said, thank you because I came here to learn about others. And in the end, I learned more about myself. 
right? Yeah. That we have, that we are more alike than we are different. Well, Hopsy, I, I, let me, let me, uh, I, I'm only interrupting you once. Robert interrupted you twice. Please, and I want to point out, because I've learned in your class, I've learned, you know, and, you know, uh, I'll say one of the things that, that you bring to the table um, in your training is thinking outside the box. Officers, uh, police officers, if you notice, they all wear the badge on the same side. And, you know, it's the cookie cutter approach to a lot of what we do. A lot of our policies uh, in, in many agencies are the same, the use of force and whatnot. Um, and you bring that new perspective, especially when it comes to mental health. You know, uh, mental health is not something that you can see right off the bat when you look at someone. Um, it, it's not a physical ailment that you can see missing a limb or whatnot. And and you brought a new perspective in a lot of your trainings to our, excuse me, to our officers. And I, really, I want to thank you publicly for that. Yes. Thank you. Thank you Get so up. much. Um, you've really been one of my greatest teachers. And if, you know, it should be the same philosophy with anyone and everyone. You know, instead of being so quick to uh, point out what we're not doing right, how about taking a step back? You know, spend time with mental health people, spend time with police officers, do a ride along. Um, my first ride along was eye opening and exciting, you know, and uh, it just it made me realize that, OK, that we're, we're putting too much on law enforcement all on their own. And that's why it's so important that CIT is not only about training, it's about bringing criminal justice partners, law enforcement, mental health uh families advocates together at the at, at one table a platform where we can really identify those mutual concerns let's get out of our silos let's start um working and streamlining communication and working towards a more responsive safer effective uh system uh, you know, law enforcement has been doing an outstanding job uh, with uh, diverting individuals, assessing individuals. Training really helped them. They tell me every day, this training helped me to save a life, to save my own life. I realize when I look back what I could have done differently. And so, you know, if we take 10 years of what we've been doing, uh, and really since 2010 to 2020, uh, 2020, yes, out of two police departments, our, our largest, Miami-Dade PD and Miami PD, uh, if you bring them together in 10 years, they've responded to um, 105,000 CIT calls, mental health calls. Wow. And out of those 105,000, there were only 198 arrests. That's, That's amazing. Arrests Yes. I, I, I want to use that as a segue because I know in one of your trainings, I um, going way back, the, the the information was given that you know to no fault of corrections, um, it's just the resources weren't there. What do we do with the mentally ill that are confronted by law enforcement? And we we right. tend to put them in jail. Um, right. and, and and you and you brought a new perspective to that, and I think that's one of the reasons why those arrests are down. And can you give us uh, more information on basically how is it that officers, when they respond to a call, what is it that, what are the indicators and what are things that, are, that you partake into the office so they can, maybe you know, the general public, because uh, mental health is something that is, uh, it affects us all. And I, think, and I think that, you know, any information, any tips, any, any uh, golden, golden nuggets that you can give to the, to the general public would be greatly appreciated. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question. And, you know, we need to be better at 
communication across the board, starting with awareness, uh, aware, uh, helping our, our community become more aware of what mental illness looks like, of what you can do when someone appears to be uh, not doing well in crisis, who you can call. We need to start there. We need to start at home. We need to go, you know, and we are, you know, like the National Alliance on Mental Illness have programs within the schools. We have mental health first aid that is, uh, you know, for any and all uh, in colleges as well, because that's when mental illness usually is, you know, diagnosed, uh, you know, between 16 and the ages of 25. And anywhere where we have a change in our lives, if we're not able to adjust, have coping skills and have the support out there, then we, we will be in crisis. And so we can, you know, reduce that, the level, the amounts of crisis, if we can provide individuals with uh, education, with resources and access to these resources. For example, you know, if you ask a family, uh, if your loved one is in crisis, you know, what do you do? The majority are going to say dial 911. Yeah. How about mobile response team? The Correct. mobile response team is a 24 7 uh, resource, it's a licensed clinician through our one of our community mental health centers, Banyan uh, Health Systems. It's a it you can call 305 774 3616. 305-774-3616. They are 24 seven, no charge. They will come to you, to your home, to school, wherever you are, and they will assess that person. If they wow. meet criteria for the, for the Baker Act, then um, they will be Baker Acted and transported by police because that is statute or ambulance, it depends on the situation. And if they're not, if they don't meet that criteria, then they provide resources. You can dial 211 and ask right. for resources uh, on assessment, on doctors, on programs. You can go to NAMI.org. I mean, there are so many things, prevention, that we can do before it gets to an emergency. But if it does get to that point, then thank goodness for law enforcement. And that's why, you know, they need training. And you see more and more, because we teach them how to navigate through the system of care. But they're not social workers, nor should they be. And that's why you see so many now, you know, with the talk of reform, uh, with these crisis models where they have, you know, co-responder models. Um, truly, they talk about defunding police. And I wish I could just have a microphone, you know, to, to the nation, you know, a PA system and let everyone know you need to stop. You need to learn about police. If you really understood police services and all of their lack of resources and challenges, we would we would provide them with greater funding yeah. to be able to assist them. And so people ask me, you know, what do you think about the co-responder model? Well, I think that there is a place for mental health professionals, you know, within our community, community to respond to crisis, but we, we absolutely need police for safety and, you know, and crim criminal reasons as well. Hopsy, I hate to cut you off, but we're down to the last two minutes. Yes. Yes. And but, but I wanted to get a couple of points across. Yes. If they need to get a hold of you for yes. advice or guidance, where can the audience call you? Right. 
Right. So I, I, I want to give the right law enforcement knows how to how to get a hold of me. Yeah. Uh, I am not a service provider. Um, I'm not two one one, but you know, or nine one one. But we do have two one one. Call two one one. Ask for more information on how to guide. Uh, go, go, you know, navigate through the system. If you want to learn more about our criminal mental health project through the Eleventh Judicial Circuit, go to our um, our website, Eleventh Judicial Circuit um, of Florida, and there you can find some more information about us. And uh, and I'm happy to help. I want to give a shout out to before I go to all our women, our sisters on International yes. Women's Day, but also to our former chief Kalina. Happy retirement to you, sir. You have been a, a wonderful example of leadership and collaboration. You were one of the first departments to come on board with CIT and we continue to carry on. Thank you. God bless and happy retirement. And I want to thank you, Robert and Raul, for giving me this time. And I hope uh, to see you soon. Thank you. Well, one closing, actually two closing thoughts. One, yes. you through your training demonstrated to me what a person who is going through a psychological break and a, a, a break from reality, a person that may be hearing stories or voices, you taught me how to deal with them. And I can't say it enough because not only did you probably save a person's life that I came up with uh, or came call up to deal with, but you also taught me that they were to decriminalize mental health. And I can't thank you enough for that because not only was I got, was able to get into that frame of mind, but the officers that work with me were equally serving the community in a better way. Well, so I can't thank you enough, Raul. Why don't you close it up? Well, Hobbsy, and I want to thank you because your training helped me to deal with Robert a lot better. So, <laughs> Yeah, that, that was I really needed that. But we're going to continue our conversation with uh, Hopsy on our podcast. And Hopsy, um, I'm going to use your information as a segue. We put 211 on our website on, in our links and resources. Great. If you go to our website, MiamiCop.com, it is on Miami our. Cop. What's that? MiamiCop. MiamiCop. Talk. What did I say? MiamiCop. Talk. Dot com. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, this, this therapy session has got me going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, MiamiCop.com, and we have a, a, a link to resources on there, and 201 is on there. I appreciate Hobbsy coming on, and uh, again, you. congratulations for the great work you do. Thank you, and thank you to both for your care, your compassion, and your humanitarian efforts. Take well, let's care. continue the conversation, please. Yes, please. Yes. Thank you. Love all right. to all my officers. Bye. Well, that completes this segment of the show. Next segment, we have the honorable loss to law enforcement. Hopefully, he will stay on and, and work in the law enforcement community as a private citizen, but it is the retired, recently retired chief of the city of Miami Police Department, Jorge Colina, a man who I admire, a man who, who basically does not deserve much of a recognition. So that's on the next show. To the producers, to our sponsors, um, Miami Tactical, right? Miami um, Tactical. At, what's that? That's my company. That's your company. Yeah, well, thank you. MiamiTactical.com. That's my company. Go. Yeah. And, and you know what? Want, since we're putting uh, uh, people's names out there, I want to put Mainland Marlins, Mainline Marlins, Tommy, the man, our producer, uh, every day from 845 to 9 in the morning. Uh, he's got a 15-minute uh, show. It's phenomenal. If you know anything about baseball, you know that this guy knows what he's talking about. On Wednesdays, it's from 3 in the afternoon to 330 
mainline Marlins. He also has shows with the with the players, right? He does, but that's not important. The, the important the important part of the show in mainline Marlins is not the players. Those guys are getting paid big bucks. Is Tommy? He's he's the real show. Oh, I boy. mean, yeah, Tommy, you, know, you got that. Tell the Marlins <laughs> out there, I said that. That's you know? a heck of a shout yeah, out, yeah, man. Also, we want to thank uh, another sponsor of our show. Another company that we're involved with is New Era Alliances, a company a niche consulting company that I recently formed, but it is also helping sponsor the show. So, Correct. with that, we want to thank the Millers, Grant and Michael Miller team at the community newspapers tommy always behind the scene producing our shows you're the best let's keep it going and for that thank you very much and we'll see you on the next show